Time for our news briefing. Joining us here in the studio is Hun Ji Yoon. Good morning to you. Good morning. Well, uh, we're going to talk about the money that uh, hopefully uh, many of our listeners have received. It's been about a week since people started to get the government's nationwide emergency disaster relief funds. Apparently, to you, over 60% of the funds have been dispersed to Mm -hmm. the eligible households as of Sunday. So that is good for the individuals and the families Mm -hmm. who've received it. But uh, what about then all the small businesses? Because ostensibly that is the main goal is to help the local economies out with these mom and pop operations. Are people actually spending more? Right. So these small business owners um, overall seem to be very happy. Uh, People are actually spending more money um, out in the market because it's an amount that you eventually have to spend until the uh, 31st of August. And it's an extra money that otherwise wouldn't have come into your pockets. Um, Still, this is in the early stage of the government project. So we don't have any official statistics, but restaurants, cosmetic stores, hair salons and local markets that were disproportionately hit harder than other um, um, areas or other industries say that things are definitely getting better. Now, delivery apps are also benefiting from this this, uh, relief fund because from the 13th of May to 18th of May, on-site payment or the so-called pay-to-the-driver mm. uh, for p e d a r e m i n j u k jumped by 144% compared to the week before that. So it seems like people are actually trying to use their fund for this delivery app right. uh, because you can only pay uh, when you... Uh, you can only use the fund when you pay to the mm. driver or delivery people um, directly. Right. And some um, small shops located in large shopping malls or marts are quite disappointed as although people can spend their fund in these stores as well, not many people are aware of this fact and haven't seen these shops, haven't seen clear improvements in sales. Right. So a slightly mixed bag overall, mm-hmm. you, like you say, there's been anecdotal reports of people who suddenly get the funds, they go to their uh, local restaurant and they maybe normally order the chicken, but they're saying, hey, you know what? Let's get the beef. Let's get the uh, Hanu beef uh, dish here because uh, we got the extra money to spend and that's good for Mm -hmm. the uh, people eating it and that's good for the uh, mom and pop shop owners. The the one dilemma that you did point out, which I think is pretty pertinent in the fact that, for example, a huge mall like, let's say, Coex, you normally Mm -hmm. think, oh, this is run by Tevils and everything there is going to be run by these conglomerates, but there are actually mom and pop organizations in there and Mm -hmm. they're uh, unfortunately not going to get the benefits Mm -hmm. uh, that uh, some of these other uh, small enterprises are doing. So some good news. It's certainly, uh, it is intended to be that way. That is how this fund was actually created. But the the thing with any kind of nationwide rollout of a huge policy like this, when we're talking about tens of millions Mm -hmm. of people and millions of businesses, is that there are going to be uh, some blind spots, right? Right, certainly. Um, It seems like this uh, government fund has its limitations as well. The Disaster Relief Fund, as you know, targets families as a unit, not individuals. So it's the householders who have to apply and who receive the payment for the household as a whole. So structurally, it cannot take into consideration the different and complex family dynamics. For example, if I am on bad terms with my father, who's the householder mm. of our household mm. or family, or I lost touch with my father, the emergency fund is 
you know, someone else's story. It doesn't come to me because my father would use it on his own. So um, you can still raise a formal objection over who receives the fund, but this is only applicable to households that can legally prove their domestic uh, troubles. For example, um, if you're going through a divorce or if you are a victim of domestic abuse, you can apply. Um, However, for those experiencing simple family troubles, this may not be the case because you cannot prove your family. family troubles on a document, and thus you won't be able to raise a complaint. Now, to this, experts say that this was a choice. The government uh, made a choice based on pure convenience because, as you said, it's such a large government project rolled out on a national scale, you weren't able to take into consideration all the minor details. And that um, experts said that this is based on the assumption that government-provided benefits will be distributed to all family members equally. Um, and thus it resulted and it can result in welfare blind spots. Mm. Um, they advise that the government should target individuals, not families, um, as the definition of family is evolving over time. Yeah, and it, with a crisis like this and a, a pandemic where we've basically had to Uh, flip upside down the normal way of living and what we have been used to. Uh, Anything like a complete mobilization of funds is going to have something that uh, people will not be happy about. And and some of them are quite serious, as you say. If you are in an abusive household, maybe... Um, you don't agree that that uh, head of household should be the one that controls right. who, who gets the money. Uh, and, and some people have called into maybe the sexism aspect of mm-hmm. it as well. Sometimes the head of household often is going to be the, the male breadwinner. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are going to be other cases where it might be just simply um, a petty thing, right? You, you might have a kid that says, you know, I'm angry about my mom not letting mm-hmm. me play video games. And so <laughs> I want to try to prove that uh, I should get the funds individually. But As you say, targeted rollouts and comprehensive rollouts are one thing, and uh, certainly this is one one of those maybe learning experiences where a lot of progressives will like to see this continue to be a trend where maybe Mm -hmm. it can eventually transition into universal basic income. So um, they want to work out the kinks here uh, to see how this goes as an initial phase. Well, Why are we doing all this? Obviously, it's because of the COVID-19 pandemic. So let's get an update Mm -hmm. there to you. And it seems like health authorities have been able to get a measure of control over that uh, cluster infection that emanated from Itaewon. However, there are concerns because we're continuing to see cases connected to clubs in that area. Certainly. Uh, the number of confirmed cases connected to Itaewon cluster mm. infection is continuing to rise, though not at a steep rate. So far, 187 cases related to Itaewon have been reported, and 93 of them um, are direct, have c- directly contracted the virus in Itaewon area because they visited the area, but the rest 94 were indirectly affected by the virus. A particularly concerning case is the one involving a private tutor in Incheon who initially lied about his personal information. He said he doesn't have a job, and um, I guess this was to minimize the impact that uh, he could have had uh, on other people. Now, 
after this lie, more patients related to his case are being reported in Incheon. Uh, for example, students uh, who went to a PC room and a karaoke are passing um, down this virus to other people who vi- have visited this space um, with at least 25 people so far. Now, yesterday, Korea reported 13 new cases and a t- the total stands at 11,078 now. Now, of the 13 cases, nine were community transmissions and four were the so-called imported cases. Yeah, there's been reports of, let's say, a uh, Norebang in Puchan, mm-hmm. um, some uh, uh, PC bangs, uh, PC rooms that also have been found to have infection. So uh, those are still emanating from the Itaewon cluster. But uh, we're also seeing something that potentially could be more concerning, right? Because yes. uh, this is actually a bit of a mystery. We don't yet know where the origin of all of this is, but uh, there have been reports coming out now that there are cluster infections involving medical staff, mm-hmm. and major hospitals. Right. And it's more concerning, as you said, because it's not connected. There is no direct mm. link uh, between uh, this infection and the Itaewon cluster infection. Now, a number of infections involving nurses and medical staffs of major hospitals or the so-called major five hospitals are being reported separate from Itaewon cases. Now, it's particularly dangerous since those major hospitals accommodate high-risk patients who are older and have underlying conditions. So it can result in many vi- virus-related deaths as was the case in the case of MERS in 2015. Now, of the 13 new cases reported yesterday, one is a Samsung Medical Center nurse who so far had spread the virus to three more nurses. Now, the health authorities uh, is currently testing 277 people who came into contact with a nurse, uh, the vast majority being the medical staffs and the rest being patients. 160 so far tested negative and 102 are waiting for the results. Now, what's worrying Mm. is that two out of the three nurses uh, who were confirmed to have contracted the virus from the one nurse are asymptomatic and uh, our health authorities are having difficulty tracing the source of their infections. Apparently, they have not come into contact with anyone who's been to Itaewon, nor have they gone and visited Itaewon themselves. Now, another medical staff at Gangnam General Hospital in Yongin, Gyeonggi Province, has also contracted COVID-19. Hope um, this is not a trend. Um, To this day, 266 medical staffs uh, have caught the virus so far. Right. Most people listening can obviously understand why this is very troublesome Mm. in the sense that there's a hotspot. It's a cluster of people in close quarters. A lot of them have pre-existing conditions anyway, so that they shouldn't be contracting COVID-19. And the idea that these uh, frontline medical workers are also at risk of Mm -hmm. not only contracting it, but also spreading it to all these other patients. And when you you say uh, Samsung Medical Center, automatically everyone remembers the 2015 uh, mayor's Mm. outbreak where uh, the the sole mayor at that time and today, uh, Park Won-soon, had issued this sort of public kind of outing that this is where it's taking place when the government perhaps was a little less transparent. More transparency now, but... Asymptomatic carrying is what is the concern Mm. here as uh, in contrast to the uh, MERS outbreak. Let's get then an international update on the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, How is the entire world uh, as we stand right now dealing with the virus? 
Now, according to Worldometer, more than 4.97 million people worldwide have been infected by the virus so far. More than 320,000 people have died. Now, hit hardest is the U.S. uh, with 1.56 million uh, confirmed patients and over 93,000 deaths followed by Russia uh, with 299,000, Spain, Brazil, UK, and Italy with over 200,000 confirmed cases. Now, India became the second hardest hit country in Asia with 100,000 confirmed patients. Now, Brazil is a country that we need to shed light Mm. on because its medical infrastructure is on the brinks of collapsing at the moment. In Brazil, medical staffs are disproportionately taking the toll of the pandemic. 116 nurses have died, which is more than that of the U.S., which has six times uh, more deaths than Brazil. Now, in an interview with Wall Street Journal, Brazil's nurses explained that they lack medical supplies, such as face protection gears, goggles, and gloves. Yeah, it's a similar refrain we've been unfortunately hearing uh, throughout uh, a lot of these Mm. major countries. And Maybe it's only coincidence, but if you look at sort of the more far-right leaderships of uh, the U.S. President Donald Trump, uh, the uh, Brazilian President Bolsonaro, Mm. the Russian President uh, Vladimir Putin, maybe even the U.K. uh, Prime Minister Boris Johnson, is that uh, they are right-wing leaders, and they all have initially sort of downplayed the severity of this and maybe have not have mobilized resources quick enough to stem this outbreak and now are dealing with uh, Mm -hmm. perhaps uh, among the worst outbreaks uh, in the world. So it is uh, a little disconcerting. To see. Uh, speaking of disconcerting, Chiyun, let's move on to another. Uh, it, it's a bit of a confusing uh, conundrum going on mm. in the political circles right now. We have a, a prominent South Korean activist, Yun Mi Hyang, who is also now a lawmaker elect for this upcoming National Assembly uh, under a media firestorm in regards to the organization that she used to lead, which advocated for the rights of the uh, former wartime sex slaves during Japanese occupation. Right. So Yun Mi Hyang. Is a president of the Korean Council for Justice and Remembrance for the issues of military sexual slavery by Japan, and also a ruling DP lawmaker elect. Um, and she is currently being accused of having misappropriated funds set aside for the victims' community home and using donations to purchase her personal apartment in 2012. Now, Yoon and her organization are currently facing around eight complaints, including embezzlement and. Professional negligence. Now, initially, it was expected that the police would take over the case and investigate, uh, but the prosecution decided to take over their, uh, the case um, uh, to remove any room for possible destruction of evidence and to accelerate the investigation. Now, once the prosecution finishes interviewing the civic group that sued Yoon, um, it's likely to bring in Yoon for questioning, and um, it may even launch a compulsory search over her household and the organization. Right, and that's going to give some pause to a lot of people once the prosecution gets involved with this. Uh, Are are they uh, targeting uh, Yoon uh, with priority over some of the other pending Mm. cases that we have seen uh, against uh, other lawmakers like, for example, Nagyong Won, which uh, they haven't seemed to have gotten off the ball yet. Uh, A lot of media um, focus on this, and it's been rather one-sided if you you look at the coverage and and sort of the allegations that have been raised. Uh, uh, News Gongjang, of course, our sister program, has been uh, on the forefront, uh, basically uh, trying to debunk a lot of the uh, allegations that have been set forth against Yun Mi-hang. And now we're starting to see the uh, Democratic Party leadership, including 
um, Lee Hye Chan, who uh, came out yesterday uh, quite forcefully saying that this does seem like a media mm-hmm. uh, witch hunt and that uh, in his eyes, uh, he does not see any uh, serious allegations there. But um, let, let's talk about why uh, it's always sensitive mm-hmm. when, you, when you discuss Japan yes. and, of course, wartime occupation. There is a long-running dispute between Korea and Japan over how Japan looks at history. And it's, this is a repeated pattern that mm. we always see. Uh, it's almost like clockwork. Uh, Japan releases a uh, official document uh, around this time of the year. And again, they always have these spurious claims as to mm-hmm. who owns Tokyo Islands, right? Right. So in the 2020 edition of its diplomatic blue book, the Japanese foreign ministry labeled Korea as its most important neighbor for the first time in three years. But it stipulated that wartime sex slave is an incorrect term that goes against the th- truth. It also added, and it referred to Tokyo as Takishima, the common uh, Japanese term that they refer refer to the island, and an inherent territory historically and by international law, and Korea is illegally occupying the islets. Uh, now, it also maintained that Sea of Japan is the only internationally recognized term to refer to East Sea. Uh, now, Seoul's foreign ministry summoned Hirohisa Soma, a senior Japanese embassy official, to lodge a former uh, protest yesterday and expressed regret over the Blue Book and urged Tokyo to retract the unjust claims. Right, so we'll have an interview on the, this uh, topic Topic a little bit later on in the program, but uh, the, the claim that Tokyo is Takeshima, the the claim that uh, this uh, body of water should be called the Sea of Japan, that that's sort of par for the course for them. That's how they've been uh, acting over mm-hmm. the past few years. But this change about uh, Japan referring to Korea as now their most important neighbor mm-hmm. is a little bit uh, interesting. Uh, we know that Japan is smart; uh, they uh, don't do anything without any reason. Mm-hmm. So we'll try to find out more uh, in our uh, interview coming up a little later. As to what exactly Japan's intentions are. Um, moving on then to the uh, U.S. here, j i u n President Donald Trump had earlier uh, temporarily suspended the country's contributions to the World Health Organization. Why is he doing that? He's apparently unhappy with how he believes the mm-hmm. organization uh, favored China during the initial outset of the COVID-19 pandemic. And this time he's given a strong ultimatum. He did. So after the first day of the WHO's annual summit in which Trump did not attend himself, uh, he sent a full-page letter to the WHO Director General. Now, Trump Trump redoubled his criticism towards China and the organization in the letter. He criticized how WHO stood by China when the country mishandled the virus and unnecessarily worsened the pandemic in the early stage. Now, he threatened to permanently withdraw funding and cancel U.S. membership if the WHO does not commit to major substantive improvements in the next 30 days. Right. It might be spurious claims, but the the U.S. is by far the largest Mm. contributor to the WHO, so it's going to hold some weight uh, uh, no matter how you feel about it. Uh, Turning to the uh, Blue House now, uh, Chung Wade has responded to four online petitions related to sex crimes against minors uh, after they received more than 200,000 signatures, which does compel the government to give a response. Right. So um, one of the cases involves a female middle school student who was raped by two male middle school students who were given a slap on the wrist for being minors. Now, the parent who uh, posted this petition called for a stricter punishment and urged the government to revise the law. Now, Chang Wade responded that they have 
removed statute of limitation for statutory rape cases and have strengthened punishment and will continue to strengthen protection over victims and will review strengthening punishment for felonies committed by juveniles. Now, at the same time, uh, the government said it will focus on rehabilitating these juveniles. Now, there were two other cases where someone claimed uh, Ming to be a mom of two children said that her 25-month-old daughter was raped by a fifth grader. However, police investigation couldn't verify the facts and found that the child uh, doesn't even exist. So it was a false claim. Mm. Now, police also couldn't verify the other case, which alleged that their seven-year-old son was sexually abused for three years at a daycare center. And somewhat relatedly, this uh, so-called Anthrum Prevention Act is in its uh, final stages of legislation, but there is still a debate. Right. The Parliamentary Legislation and Judiciary Committee will deliberate the revised Telecommunications Business Act and Information and Communications Network Act today. Now, under the revised bill, internet service providers are responsible for taking down illegally filmed contents. Now, uh, the industry is saying that this is a breach of privacy of individuals. It will harm the freedom of expression and ultimately damage constitutional values. They also point out that the revised bills have their limitations in regulating overseas operators such as Telegram that was at the center of the so-called Anthrum case. Uh, But Korea Communications Commission said that there is no need for this uh, internet service providers to look into private conversations that take place on text messages, cacao, talk and emails. And this is not for immediate efficacy, but it is to lay a legal foundation for future regulations. All right. Well, uh, we'll see how that legislation uh, shapes up. We're going to leave it there. Tune, as always, uh, thank you very much for joining us and look forward to talking to you again, I believe, in a couple of days. Mm -hmm. I'll see you on Friday.